You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. Oh, first service got you beaten. They were woke up earlier than you guys. Come on, good morning, Radiant Church. Oh, dang, y'all are good. All right, well, if you don't know me, my name is Carter. I'm the youth director here at Radiant Church, and uh, I have the privilege and honor of sharing the word with each of you today. Um, But before I begin, I'd love to honor Pastor Marco and Carrie for everything they've done in my life, for how they've led me, and how they've just invested into me to get to where I am today. I'm just so thankful for them. Um, If you don't know me, a little bit about me is I just got married like almost four months ago. Yep. To that smoke show of a wife right there. And (laughs) so two months ago, I came into a staff meeting, and I was like, okay, I'm having a good day, got a full belly. And I told Marcus and Pastor Marco, I was like, yeah, Corinne made me breakfast this morning again. <laughs> and they're like, enjoy that while you can. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, what do you mean? We're like, just soak it up while you can, Carter, because it doesn't last long. <laughs> and I was like, mm, I don't like the sounds of that. French toast is good with some eggs and cream cheese and some bacon in the air fryer. You got to have it that way if you haven't. And I tell you what, I go home and tell my wife, and she goes, they think it's going to stop? Our love is built different. (laughs) And I said, that's right. Ten days later, I never saw another homemade breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you what, uh, we are having a great time together, just growing um, together as a couple. And so I'm loving marriage. There's fun stories every single day, it feels like. But uh, yeah, that's one of them. If you want to hear more, just catch me after. Um, now today, we're going to continue our series, Christ Culture Church. And I have the honor of sharing 1 Corinthians 9 with you guys. So I'd love to start by just giving you some context of the chapter. And I'm going to walk you through what's happening from verses 1 to 23, so that we can get a grasp on what we're going to look at from 24 to 27. And so Paul begins this chapter And he's affirming what his rights are as an apostle. What's an apostle? It means sent one. So he's a sent one by God to share the gospel with everyone. And so he shares what his rights are. And he actually dives in to um, one that he actually surrendered from. Like he, he doesn't partake in that right, even though he could for the sake of the gospel. And that is getting paid. So it says, Paul writes in there, those who preach the gospel have the right to make their living from the gospel. And Paul surrenders his right. You're probably asking yourself, well, why would he do that? And the reason he did that is actually because, like I said, he didn't want anyone to look at him and say, he's doing this for the wrong reason. And so he had such a heart for the gospel and put it at such a high place in his life and priority, he put it above every need that he needed or had. And the crazy thing is, God met every single one of his needs. And so, but it's also because God was first. And so I know a lot of us, we're going to talk about today, our priorities are all over the place, right? 
And they're like, Carter, I got to do this. Um, as soon as I got married, I got hit with like an urge to that I needed to provide for the family. As soon as I got married. Before that, I was a, ooh, what's on Amazon? Cart, buy. After that, after we got married, I said, I do. And I was like, I do become a little more frugal. Um, <laughs> but you feel like the need to provide. That's a priority you got to give to God. That doesn't mean don't go to work, but it means God needs to be above work. And there's so, every area, God should be above. That wasn't in my notes, so someone in here, in here needs to hear that. Maybe it was me. So, verses 19 through 23, Paul shares how he has made himself a slave to all that he might save some through Jesus. Well, God will save some through him. And so, what does that look like? Our culture, everybody wants to be served. Everyone in America, you ask them, they're like, oh, can you do this for me? Or they're looking for ways that others can serve them and put themselves higher. Christ always led by servantship. So that means he was a servant to all, and Paul recognized this, and he goes, I'm going to make myself a slave to all. How joyful does that sound? Not very joyful, but I'll tell you what, it's worth it. And God was able to use him in such mighty ways because of that choice. And so verse 22, it says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And that's 1 Corinthians 9, 22. This does not mean Paul was out there sinning with those who were stuck in their sin. This doesn't mean he was doing drugs with those who were addicted to drugs. But it does mean he, was, he made himself available to everybody. So we shouldn't read that verse and be like, okay, so I can do anything because I'm doing it for God. No. But we need to make ourselves available to everyone. And so I just want you guys to think about where you went this last week. Like maybe you went to the store, bank, you went to school to pick up your kids, or you went to work, I'm sure. Or maybe you went to the store. And you cross paths with so many people. So many people every day. I think the average is like you have 16 interactions with people a day. That's just the average. There's probably some who have way more or less. And so I want to ask you guys, do you guys ever step outside of your circle to share the gospel? And this is not supposed to be condemning you. This is an invitation to do better because it was a challenge to me as well. My job is to... Part of my job is working here, and I'll be honest with you, this message by studying it made me realize I need to make more, uh, more of every possible opportunity to share the gospel. Because if everything, like in the Bible, it points to we are called to go and make disciples, to share the gospel, to worship God. If those are what we were created for and our purpose here on earth, shouldn't we hold it at a higher level? When we talk with people, when we go to the store, we should be like, to our cashier, I'm not asking you to share the whole first, second Corinthians with them or like pull up the YouTube and be like, hey, check out what my uh, pastor taught this week. No. All I'm asking is that you make yourself available to be a light for God. That could be praying with someone. A couple of weeks ago, I was out with my wife at Logan's and some of my youth leaders and I actually challenged one of my youth leaders, hey, you should pray for the waiter. And she looked at me and said, you're a man, you should pray for the waiter. <laughs> and I was like, oof, didn't see that coming. And I'll be honest with you, it felt uncomfortable. It felt like a, this is weird, it's not normal. 
but it should be normal. You know what I mean? And so what I did was I was a little uncomfortable. I was like, sir, how can I pray for you, basically? And he, he was like, that I'd be able to make rent this month. And my youth leaders, my wife and I were like, that's a great way to get a great tip. <laughs> but realistically, that is a real prayer need. So we prayed with him. And we just prayed that God would bless him, that God would just line up his steps and that he would just run after God and that um, he would be able to make rent that month. And he was just so thankful that we took that time. But I probably went out to eat at least five other times that month, this month, and what about the other waiters and waitresses? What about the people I pass by every day? So I'm taking this as a personal challenge to myself, and I invite you guys to participate in this as well to make the most of every opportunity to share the gospel, to be a light, and to just share like what Jesus has done in your life. And there's multiple ways you can do this. You can do this by praying for people, by sharing a verse with someone. But the most vulnerable, stepping outside your comfort zone way, and um, that, what that is is sharing what God has done in your own life. And so once you share with someone what God has done in your life, it no longer just becomes words. It becomes part of you. You're sharing something you've been through, how God has transformed you. And by doing that, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. I got to quote my wife on that one. She always says it. But vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And guess what? Most times they're going to open up to you on what they need God to change, what they need to give to God. And so I just want to say one more thing before we go ahead and get into the, the meat of the message. It's... Make every interaction count. I'm not asking you to take your Bible and whack them upside the head with it. I'm asking you to just, like I said, it can be a simple prayer. Just make any, every interaction you have, ask yourself, how can I help them encounter the Holy Spirit? So church, will you pray with me? God, I pray that you would just begin to soften hearts and open our ears to what you have to say. I pray that, again, they would not hear my voice, Lord, but they would hear you, Lord. I pray that you would show up in their lives, that your spirit would just pour down on them and just begin to just show them whatever you want them to see, Lord. Hear whatever you want them to hear, Lord, and make the changes in their lives that you want them to make, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. So Steph Curry is known as one of the best shooters in the NBA. He plays for the Golden State Warriors. And he is probably going to be the best shooter in the entire history of the NBA, or at least he's on that track to be. But it wasn't always this way. So when he graduated high school, he was six foot and about 160 pounds, which for even college basketball, let alone the NBA, is not very big. That's pretty small when the average height in the NBA is six foot six. And so he's six foot at this time. And he tries out for the college that his dad went to, Del Curry, who played in the NBA. So Steph goes to Virginia Tech, just like his dad, but he's just trying out for the team because he wants to get a scholarship to be able to go. And he tries out, he goes home, never gets a call back. So he calls him and he's like, hey, like, is there like a mail slow or something probably? And they're like, no, you're, we just think you're too fragile to handle basketball at this level. And I... And then he was like, oh, okay. And then Davidson College, there's a coach, the head coach named Bob, forgot his last name, but just know his name's Bob. <laughs> Bob went to one of his high school games and noticed that he made a lot of shots, 
but he missed a lot of shots. He turned the ball over a lot. And he made a whole bunch of mistakes at the high school level. But there's one thing Bob noticed. It was that no matter if he made a mistake or made the basket, his reaction was the same. Steph Curry was not, like, he was not changed by a mistake. He didn't like throw the basketball down like you see kids these days or like just get upset for no reason. He had self-discipline and self-control. And so Bob was like, wow, that is impressive for him to just have that mindset of I'm not worried about what's going to happen in this moment. I'm worried about how it's going to affect the outcome. And so Bob noticed that about Curry and offered him a scholarship to Davidson College, which is pretty, a pretty small D1 basketball school. And so he goes there, and Curry just starts training. He starts training for about three hours a day, just working on a shot. He actually was so short compared to the rest that he had to perfect his shot so he could shoot over people. And when he was younger, actually, I left this detail out for service, but when he was younger, he wasn't strong enough to shoot the basketball, so he had to hit the gym and work out so that he was strong enough to do it. And then if you fast forward to today, he's one of the, he has one of the fastest releases in the NBA, which means his self-discipline to train from that, for, for that from a young age is paying off today. But anyways, so he's at college. He's leading this team to multiple championships, multiple wins, and he's doing great. And then in 2009, he enters into the 2009 draft for the NBA. And everyone's kind of skeptical on where he's going to get picked or if he's going to get picked. And he ends up being the first round seventh pick of the 2009 draft and gets drafted by the Warriors. And nobody really expected him to be that high up. And so he gets drafted. He's about six foot three at this time, still pretty light. And he is so self-disciplined that he changes his entire diet and sticks to it every day. Changes his entire workout regimen and sticks to it every single day so that he could basically bulk up and then cut so he was muscle and weighed more so he was bigger. Because when you're against six foot six guys and currently there's a seven foot four guy in the NBA, that's like up here. We need him as a camera guy here or something. <laughs> but seriously, when you're going up against those people, it's like nuts. So he worked out. He ended up being 185, and he was six foot three. And today, he has won four NBA championships. Then he has won MVP twice for the regular season. And that all came from a kid who didn't, everyone didn't think he was fit to play college basketball even. Instead, sometimes high school. But he had the self-discipline. And so actually, I looked it up, what his current routine is, and he shared it. And it's, Steph makes time in the morning for his kids before breakfast. Then after breakfast, he trains at the gym until noon. Then at noon, he comes home, spends time with his wife. Then he'll spend time with his kids and his wife. And on Sundays, he goes to, he goes to church with his family and spends the day with them. That routine takes self-discipline just like his training did. And so we know that it takes self-discipline to succeed in athletics, but did you know that self-discipline is also necessary in our walks with Jesus? Let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer just beating in the air. No, I strike a blow to my own body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's good. We're all running a race. And Paul talks about strict training. And Curry trained for three to four hours a day for basketball. What kind of training does it look like and take to follow Jesus? It takes walking with Jesus. It takes studying the word. It takes sharing the gospel and becoming more like Jesus. It takes training. We have to make changes in our lives so that Jesus is our top priority. And we have to train every day to walk with Jesus. So that leads me, leads me to my first point. Discipleship is not about trying, but about training. See, you see Steph Curry in that illustration, he didn't just try to play basketball. He trained to play basketball. We're not just going to try to follow Jesus. We're going to train to follow Jesus. So Paul didn't just do whatever his heart desired. It says that he, he striked a blow to his own body and made it his slave. What that means is he died to his flesh to make room for the Holy Spirit to move through him. He wanted what God wanted for him over what he wanted himself. See, you see, we all have human, natural, fleshly desires. And most of the time, they do not line up with what God wants for your life and what God has for you. So we have to die to ourselves to make room for the Holy Spirit to thrive and move in and through us. So, Paul actually surrendered some of his rights so that he could do more for the glory of God. He had to die to his flesh so that the Holy Spirit could move in him freely. He had the self-discipline to choose to serve God rather than himself. Which leads me to my next point. More of God means less of you. So John the Baptist quotes in John 3.30, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. That means that in order for more of God, you got to have less of you. So some of us in our hearts, maybe God's not our top priority in our lives. We need to rearrange it so that he is first priority. And our heart, just think of it like a, like a garden for a second. And you have to weed out the things that aren't supposed to be there in order to bear the crop that God has for you. But you have to be willing to weed that out. You can't just be like, oh, it's gone. No, it's still there. You have to take it away. Take it from the root and get it out. So, Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. He's got an exclamation mark there. He's yelling. I won't blast your ears out, though. You're welcome. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer? Live in it any longer? You see, they were repulsed by the sin in their lives. They were like, I want no part of that. That has no part, no part in me. They wanted God so much that when they heard sin like, or were tempted, they were like, no, I don't need this. 
This isn't for me. God has better for me. And so they flee the enemy. They resist temptation. But that leads me to this. Whatever you feed grows stronger. Whatever you starve grows weaker. For me, when I was younger, I struggled with pride. I would feed my ego, and it would grow stronger. But then eventually it caught up to me, and I was like, uh-uh. I need to die to this. God revealed that to me. And so I starved my ego so that my pride would weaken. And then I fed my spirit so that the, so that the Holy Spirit in me would grow and strengthen. But you can't do both. Whatever you starve will weaken. Whatever you feed will grow stronger. And so think about in your life what you need to starve. Maybe for you it is pride. Maybe for you it's lust. Maybe it's selfishness. I'm, this is me just asking guys to just, whatever is on your mind right now that you know what it is, but you really not want, you don't want to give it to God right now because you're comfortable in it, I want to challenge you guys to give that to God and starve that desire to make room for the Holy Spirit to move and feed your spirit. So Paul was not aimless he was planned. How many of y'all are planners in here? There's like four planners in here. <laughs> Somebody help. <laughs> planners are usually shy, so I get that. I'm kidding. Um, I myself, you did not see my hand raised because I am definitely not a planner. Ask my wife, ask my family. They will all tell you I'm not a planner. But he was planned. Paul was planned, and he planned to train. He planned to put God above himself and he planned to sacrifice for God. So that leads me to my next point. It's a quote by Benjamin Franklin. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's a great quote, but it applies to us spiritually. If you don't practice the self-discipline and plan time with God, plan reading your Bible, plan coming to church on Sunday... Let's be honest, with four planners in the room, there's a lot of people that wouldn't show up on Sunday. <laughs> that made me laugh too. <laughs> but seriously, we have to be better at planning, making it a practice. We have to train. We can't just try. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, get one. Go on Spotify. They have them there, your version app. I use the Bible Recap. I'm on like the year four thing, but it doesn't mean I've been doing it for four years, so don't be that impressed. That just means my ministry class makes me do that. But before that, I actually used a different one. But as long as you have a plan where you're following like a plan to like read the word and grow in it every day, I mean, that's feeding the right thing. That's feeding your spirit, and it's going to strengthen. The same with coming to church. When you're in a community of believers and fellowship, you are strengthening that. So you guys, I want you to just, I, I just want to challenge you guys to plan that stuff. Make it a priority. So God should be up here. So all the priorities that strengthen your, the Holy Spirit inside of you should be up here as well. And so if you're a parent and you, and you guys have kids, I want to challenge you. Make it a priority and have the self-discipline to do it because it will pass on. My parents, they made it a priority, and naturally, 
I mean, as soon as I moved out, I started going to church, but it, I also was working at a church. But my siblings, too. Like, when you make it a priority, when you have that self-discipline, you, it becomes, like, natural almost. And so I just want to challenge you guys to do that. Um, now, I'm not going to put the picture up yet, but Paul talks about how they're, wait, they're running the race for, like, an earthly crown that doesn't really mean much, Right? But we run the race for an eternal crown, and it lasts forever. So how many of you guys are familiar with the Stanley Cup? Any hockey players in here? A lot more than four. Hockey players aren't planners. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead and put that picture up there. That is the Stanley Cup, and it is huge. It weighs almost 40 pounds. It is almost three foot long. And that's a pretty big guy. He's got pads on and everything, and it still looks huge next to him. I'm kind of worried he's going to drop it. But anyways, that trophy pales nothing. It means nothing compared, compared to your heavenly reward. And so you guys, I, I want you to understand what you're training for, what we're training for here. We're training to be more like Jesus, to share the gospel, to put God first. Because we want as many people as possible to spend eternity with God. Right? And so... Some people are running this race. They're going the wrong way. They're not sure which way they're going. Some people are just kind of sitting there. They're tired. I don't know. I might not run this race. I might just give up. Then there's some people who are just walking. Some of us need to pick up the pace. Some of us need, you guys ever played Mario Kart before? Like we go off course. And it's like three, two, one, boom, you're back on course. Some of us need to get back on course. I'm horrible at Mario Kart, by the way. I know. Kids beat me all the time. You guys train them too well. Anyways, so get back on course if you're off course. If you're just sitting there like a lump on a log, as my dad says, then I want you guys to go ahead and be like, I'm going to have the self-discipline. I'm going to make the choice to follow God, to put him first, and start running that race. Because a lot of us, we're all at different areas, right? But none of us are perfect. We can all improve. We can all get better. This message, when he told me, when Pastor Mark was like, yeah, I want you to preach on 1 Corinthians 9, I was like, sweet, until I started studying it. I'm like, ooh, that's for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So others, others of us need to, start, need to start picking up the pace. Am I saying that you have to be perfect to be a Christian? By no means. But don't let that be an excuse to not become more like Jesus. And so we should be practicing self-discipline just like Paul does. I'm going to go ahead and recap the points we've covered so far. The first one is discipleship is not about trying but about training. Like I said, you can't just try and hope you're going to end up successful. You have to train. When you do a new job, you're hired in for a new job, if you just get thrown into the mix, odds are you're not going to like your job and you're not going to do very well. But if you are properly trained, you put in the effort, you set aside time to be trained, you're going to probably end up liking your job and you'll be successful at it. The same is with our spiritual walks. We have to train because trying, you will end up running in the wrong direction. And, and I just want to challenge you guys, put God first. Have your life aligned with God's will and follow him and be training to become more like Jesus. Our second point, more of God, 
means less of you. This one is a very sobering one because it means in order to become more like God, we have to be become less like ourselves, less like our fleshy desires, I should say. And so, like I said, I'm challenging you guys, whatever that thing is that you need to give to God, don't wait till next week because guess what? You're going to pass by a lot of people this week. And each person is an opportunity to share the gospel. Point number three, if you, plan to, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail by Benjamin Franklin. You have to, put the self, you have, to have a self-discipline to put the effort in, to train, to make that plan, and then follow through with that plan. You see, Christianity is not a hobby. It's a lifetime commitment. It can't just be something you do on Sundays. It can't just be something you do for two hours on a Sunday or a Sunday night or Wednesday night. It can't just be something you do when you feel like it. It is a lifelong commitment of dying to your flesh. Paul even said, I have to strike a blow to my own body and make it my slave. That's probably not something he did just once. He did that daily. And he had to do it. In order for, to serve God at the magnitude that God had for him, and it's the same because God has a lot for each of you. But you have to make yourself available to God first and then make yourself available to others. And so Christianity doesn't work as a habit. It's only effective when it's the center of our lives. Jesus as the center of what we do and who we are. Eventually, people should think of you and be like, yeah, they love Jesus. I'm not saying you have to run around being like, Jesus, 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 everywhere. But what you should do is you should be a light. We're called to make disciples, share the gospel, and to worship God. So it should not be weird that we're known for that. You can be known for other things like basketball or whatever it is you do. But we should be known for what is the most important. Because that is the purpose we were created for. To go and make disciples. That's a great commission. To share the gospel and to worship God. Now our earthly training is preparing us to receive, to receive our heavenly reward. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both, those, both the present life and the life to come. It's not just for today, it is for eternity. The training we go through, let me say that again, is not just for today or tomorrow, it is for all eternity. Spiritually, our walk with God has an eternal impact. Training for godliness for the life to come. When you guys start to feel discouraged, just think of this. Training isn't always comfortable. It isn't always easy. On Tuesday last week, I went to the gym with Pastor Jacob and James here. And I don't go to the gym often, even though I've had a Planet Fitness membership for like a year now. But I don't go often as I should. And so when they had me doing squats, immediately, immediately I felt Charlie horses. And I was like, ooh. And I whined about it for about three days afterwards. And they were like, Carter, you have to be consistent. You have to make that plan. Because if you don't, it's just gonna hurt the same next time. After about two times, it doesn't hurt as much. And I was like, okay. I never made that plan. 
So if I go back, when I go back, it's going to hurt just as much again probably. But that's just your reminder that training isn't always comfortable. The enemy will attack you. When you are training to become more like Jesus, when you are starving what you should be starving, your fleshy desires, the enemy's going to try to confront you with more of them. He's going to try to put some bait in front of your face and say, take it, take it. But you need to say, no, I, I, I resist the enemy and I flee temptation. Or it might be backwards there, but same thing. I want you guys to have that in, instilled in your minds. Following God, like I said, it is not always easy, but it is so worth it. Because his blessings are a byproduct of following him. Now, maybe you're here today. Actually, first, yeah, maybe you're here today and you don't feel qualified. That's good news because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies who he calls. And so if you're like, I don't think I'm good enough. I've made a lot of mistakes. He doesn't care what you did yesterday. He doesn't care what you did this morning. Jesus invites each of us to run this race. He invites each of us. He died for our sins not just my sins, but each of us and everybody else in this world. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter anything. All you have to do, if you've not ran this race before, if you've not given God your life before, you know what, Lord? Forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. Help me to follow you, and I'm going to put you first in my life. Amen. Boom, you're running that race. Maybe you have ran that race and you're like, Carter, I've, I've, I've messed up. I've gone in the wrong direction. I'm, now I'm all over the place. Let's get refocused like Mario Kart. Three, two, one, boom, right track. But it takes self-discipline. It takes the self-discipline to come up here for prayer. It takes the self-discipline to pray that prayer and to live that life out. And so I want to invite you guys. There's no condemnation here. If you haven't been walking with God, start that today. Pray with our prayer team. If you have, but you've backslid, that's okay. Come pray with our prayer team. Let's get you back on track. Let's get you back to training, not just trying. And if you're like, Carter, I've been following God, but this kind of made me realize that not all my priorities are in order, or maybe I'm not making the most of every opportunity. And I'd be like, I'm right there with you. And so I want to invite you guys to do that. And I'm going to pray for you guys to do that. So as the prayer team comes up, if you need prayer, don't wait. If you want prayer, don't wait. If you're like, I don't know what this feeling is, but I know I need to go up there, then come up here. We'll pray for you. Church, will you pray? Lord, I pray that you would just begin to move in our hearts. That you would, re you would just show us what priorities we need to get to lower down, Lord. Show us the things in our lives that we need to give to you so that you can flourish in our lives, Lord. I pray that each person in here would be marked as a child of God, Lord. The invitation is there if they just need to receive it. I pray that when people see them, but they're like, wow, that person loves Jesus and they love people. And I pray that you would just make every person in here a lampstand, Lord. A 
Amen.